0: Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of On My Mind. I'm Shelley Griffith, and I am so delighted today to have as our guest a dear longtime friend and a superstar in the entertainment world around here in Athens. She may disagree, but I can brag on her all I want, Ellen Kimball. And Ellen's going to talk to us about an extremely interesting life, career, career, and how she has gotten almost back home again, if you will, to Tennessee Weston. Welcome, Ellen.
1: Thank you. It's great to do this with you.
0: We're tickled to start out with some background, please, on your family history and certainly where you were raised, family circumstances.
1: As you will know, and some people will know, I'm. I was born in. I'm. My background is tied to the United Methodist Church, the Holston Conference. I grew up in the Holston Conference, meaning Southwest Virginia and East Tennessee. I was born in Southwest Virginia when my father was. He, my father was a Methodist minister, so he served was serving the church in Coburn, Virginia, the coal fields of Southwest Virginia, and so that's where I was born and. We spent many years in that part of the country, and we spent several years in East Tennessee serving many churches. I guess I could name them all. That might be of some, I don't know, interest. But we moved around a lot, and that's the short answer to where I was born and raised. Born in Coburn, I think, let's see, we moved from there to South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, then to Bristol, then to Abingdon, then to Oak Ridge, then to Maryville, and that's where the journey of moving around with my parents ended.
0: <laughs> and then when your dad was actually called, if you will, or selected to be at Tennessee Westland, you came here, I should remember the year, but I don't.
1: That's I was, it, that, that skips over my college education, actually. But yeah, I came here in 78. Okay. So I was already in my mid-20s when I moved to Athens. That's and
0: yeah, we'll go backwards. Let's mm-hmm. get the college education because that's going to segue, folks, as we do into Ellen's career choice. But yeah, because mm-hmm. i would forgotten you were in your twenties when you all got here. But yeah, jump back to college.
1: Yeah, I never. I had. I didn't live in Athens at all when I was growing up, and but my connection, of course, to Athens and TWU goes a long way back, even prior to my being born, because my father began his stereo career at TWU as chaplain in the 40s. And so TWC, I, I, it's hard for me to call it TWU, um, you know, it's been part of my life since before I was born and really all of my life. But as far as my education goes, I graduated from Maryville High School and I went to Emory & Henry College from there. My parents went to Emory and & Henry and, um, uh, they Emory Henry's a stuff of legend in my family's life because they met there and they had a wonderful romance and married there. Also I had lived up in that part of the country for a good part of my life, having been born really nearby and living in Abingdon and that sort of thing. My brother didn't go to Emory and my sister, who's a little older than me, didn't go and I was the good child. So I went to Emory and as a freshman. I also applied to T W C and I thought about coming here as a freshman, but I Chose to go to Emory, which is a beautiful place to be, but I was only there a year and then decided to transfer to UT where I was in school for three or four years. Actually, Shelley, I was on the eight year plan for college. <laughs> I wasn't in school for eight whole years, but it took me about eight years to graduate from finally Tennessee Wesley. <laughs> but I did go to U T and uh, I was married part, and uh, got married as my sophomore year of college and was at UT in the music school and uh, dropped out of school. Then my husband and I at the time took off and went on a year-long trip and lived in our 64 bus, VW bus, <laughs> and traveled all over the country. The Van Hagen? It wasn't the one corner. of those. It was a v- 64 Just, bus, a VW worst. bus, Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, we saved all our money that we had, what little bit of money we had. We sold all our wedding presents and <laughs> everything oh, we owned that was of any value and uh, put a bed in the back of a van and we left, actually we left from Tennessee Wesleyan from, the, my dad was by then president at Wesleyan and we left from the driveway at Tennessee Wesleyan <laughs> and there at, from Blakesley Hall and uh, the story goes that Family and friends who waved us goodbye said they won't make it past Memphis. But we were gone for a year, (laughs) and we lived in the car almost the whole time. (laughs) So that's another podcast. Yes, it uh, is. I promise we'll bring you back. (laughs) But when we came back from that, unfortunately, our marriage didn't survive it. We had a great trip, but (laughs) the marriage didn't survive and when we, I'm trying to stay on the education track here. It's okay. <laughs> it gets complicated. An it's an <laughs> um, when we got back and we finally separated and then divorced, I came home to regroup, and home was Tennessee Wesley and Blakesley Hall, where my parents were. And so at that time, that would have been 1978, 1978, and I still had not finished school. And so I lived with my folks for a while and I went back to school and graduated in 79 from Tennessee Wesleyan College with a degree in communications, minor in theater, speech and theater.
0: And from there, Ellen, that's that's a great story. And yes, future podcast, road (laughs) trips. I love it. But getting into communications, theater, then take us on your journey into the... Wonderful long term service in the beginning of the Athens Area Arts Council. That's another great story with the folks and friends that you made, and then from that point forward.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of a gap in there if I'm being filling in the whole story. When I graduated from Wesleyan with this degree in communications. Lawrence Roseberry and John Purdue took a, a chance on me and gave me a job at First National Bank in, as a marketing assistant to John Purdue, And I, I was there nine years and ended up as the marketing officer for First National, which was a, a detour I certainly never anticipated in, yeah. in, well, in a career that I never planned anyway. <laughs> but it was a great experience. I learned so much, and I'm so grateful for those nine years I had both my children during that period. And then I, marketing, the job was getting bigger and bigger, and I was um, feeling like no one was at home when I, my kids were in daycare, and I wasn't being able to devote the time and energy to them that I really wanted to. At that time, I was also on the board of the Athens Area Council for the Arts, which began in 1979. That was mm-hmm. when it was chartered, I believe. I had become active in community theater which was the creation of the Athens Area Council for the Arts. I was in the first play, as you may remember, that we did. And it was the beginning of the Athens Community Theater. Um, So I was active already in the organization. I was married to Art, by the way. I met Art at my husband, Art Kimball, at First National. We were the first couple. <laughs> Get it? First couple? Oh, no. Uh, I'm sorry. I had to say. And, uh, <laughs> it's okay,
0: folks. We do this all the time. <laughs> You'll have to bear with both of us.
1: So, I lost my train. Oh, yeah. So, I uh, <laughs> the job of executive director at the Arts Council became open after my ninth year at First National. And it was a part time job. And after I persuaded Art that we could afford to take a big cut in pay for me. And I offered my services to the officers of the Athens Arts Council, and they accepted. I be- became the executive director of the Arts Center, Arts Council. This is before the Arts Center. We, the Arts Council at that time, was housed at Tennessee Wesleyan College in a free. The college gave a free space over in Sherman, in upstairs, one of those tiny offices at the end of the hall. Excuse me, and uh, I worked there for a couple of years in a part-time ba- on a part-time basis. Then the organization re- people realized we, if we were going to grow and make a bigger difference for our community, we needed more visibility. We we had board members who didn't even know where our office was, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so we moved downtown to the Robert E Lee Hotel. Oh. Those, if you may have noticed, if you live in Athens or been from, or certainly you, Shelley, know the. Robert E. Lee Hotel has four spaces that face Jackson Street, and we started the most inner space. We were there for a while, and we moved down to the next one, and then to the next one, finally to the corner, the big space on the corner down there. And I thought we had arrived probably in our final resting place. That was the biggest office we'd ever had, and we were doing lots of good work in the community that I could talk about at length, that's a lot of that's an, also another podcast probably, yep. but we were we were doing seasons of performances at the junior high. We had an active community theater. We were bringing artists in residence to schools, doing things that we're still doing. The arts council's still doing. Also running the remember arts in the park, yep. an arts and crafts yep. show that we did for nineteen years, and so there it was a very full program of work and. As the years rolled on, people started saying we need our own space. We need a dedicated space for the arts in this town instead of begging and borrowing and using other spaces that were intended for other things. And we had, the community theater had props and costumes and lumber stored all over the county. We were, it was just very difficult. And so people started saying we need an arts center. And then we started saying what is an arts center and trying to define it for ourselves and every time a building would come open somewhere in town, I'd get a phone call, and people would say, "Hey, there's an empty building down out on Highway 11," right. and we'd gather a bunch of people, we'd go run out and look at it, and we'd say, "Yeah, this could work," but we didn't really have a plan for jumping on any opportunity. And we, but we finally coalesced into a, a group of people that were really committed to the idea, and we did develop a plan. So sometime in the early 2000s, I get the dates, I can't be real specific, we started a we started a search. We decided that the Arts Center would happen, and that we would make it happen, and that it should happen in the vicinity of downtown, or downtown. That was where the public seemed to want it. We surveyed the public and got that answer for ourselves. And narrowed our search to buildings in the downtown area, and the Herod Building came on the... Came on the screen there. Came in on on the horizon, and it was for sale. Had a brand new roof and a dry basement and its own parking lot. It was about nine thousand square feet, I believe. And so we mounted a capital campaign and bought and renovated the Herod, What was Harrod's Thrift Market and Bakery for fifty years, a well loved institution in this town. And then it was human services, I think, for 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. And then it was vacant when we bought it, of course. And uh, so that's the story of how all that got started, I guess, is I think I've covered most of it.
0: The blessing there, I remember, is that I was actually chair of the board at Westland when that building came open. Yeah. And I had served a term on your board when you were down at the, the old Robert E. Lee yeah. section. And we were going to purchase it for Westland. Mm -hmm. We got a brand new president at the time, and we went over, looked at the whole building, and talked to Felix Herod, the owner, and the president declared it was too expensive for Westland to buy for its student service type thing that it was going to do. And what a great intervention, whether it's divine or not, because then, as you all got the committee together, you were able to have it. And now when you look at all these 20-something years later, what a true, <clears throat> beautiful facility for this community with all the things that you had initiated and carried on as director. And so I'm just tickled every day when I look at it and say, whoa, am I so glad we at Westland didn't Did buy I? that property. Yeah. Because it never would have lasted, it certainly wouldn't have served any great function at the time. So, what a blessing that all yeah. that came through.
1: Yeah. Felix, you mentioned mentioning Felix. Uh, I always like to remember him because he was the owner, of course. Of, he was uh, of Harrods Grocery, and what a fine gentleman he was. And he really also made this possible. He financed yes. the sale, this uh, our purchase of the Absolutely. building and made it, in terms, so generous. And he was a lover of the arts, opera, music, and he was just a great friend to this community because he really did make that possible.
0: And he and I had chatted much later as you all got the, the funding, and he said, wow, am I ever glad I didn't sell it to you all at the college? And I said, Felix, I am as well. Just a dear man, and like you say, help him with all that. But now take us through some of your career there because folks ellen gave a quarter of a century and still is giving all these years after retirement to many events and other situations but take us through some highlights maybe of your career there at the arts center
1: yeah i could talk about it in so many different ways and there's many of course war stories i've been gone from there now 10 years in an official capacity but first of all, I would just say it was it was, a, it was the most inspiring, probably, period of my life professionally, because we invent we we invented the arts center here. <laughs> I say we I did not do this alone. There were a group of us who got up every morning and went there and said, "What do we get to do today?" And what do you think people will respond to? We were very dedicated to fulfilling our mission, which in the past had been focused on bringing performances, showing people things. and our, But our mission is really, and it continues to be, getting people into the building, getting people hands-on involved in making and doing art, experiencing art from the making side. And that was very difficult to do when you didn't have your own space. Mm-hmm. And so now course. So we were able to bring myself and my team of people that worked so hard with me those first few years. We just envisioned everything we could think of that we could do that would be that would fulfill that mission. So those years were heady years. They were fun. We were bringing new classes in art. We were doing lots and lots of theater because we had a theater, the Sue E. Trotter Theater, uh, Black Box Theater. So we were able to mount performances by people like you and me, giving people like you and me a chance on the stage as well as bringing in professionals, professional performers of all shapes and sizes. We had, and we still do have such wonderful touring musicians coming through. I I have to say, one of my favorites of the many years ago was John McCutcheon. Uh, I just, I would still love to present John McCutcheon, Tom Chapin, we had Janice Ian here, we had some great bluegrass, we did a lot of those kinds of things in addition to presenting local folks on stage, and then as I said, community theater. There are so many more stories about also, we continued to present performances on the stage at the junior high, So until very recently, we still, we're still doing that in a limited way, I think, but we did all, we did a season of performances we called the big time, small town season. And for, I'm going to say 15, 20 years of my time. And there we had Judy Collins. We had a lot of big name folks. We had, oh my gosh, I wasn't prepared to make a list, but there's so many and we were also able to, while we were doing those things, bring school shows. We would, have, we would hire these people to come and do an evening show. Kathy Mateo, she, that was, she's a good example. She did. She came twice, I believe, and did great school shows and outreach during the day and then performed for the public at night. And there, I think you would if you talk to people in Athens, we saw an awful lot of wonderful things in these many years that we did at the junior high. And the the big thing.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. But Mm -hmm. the big thing, Ellen, that you're mentioning, that we have just loved is children's performances. They can go over to the middle school. The kids get to see these wonderful performers Mm -hmm. prior to us sitting down for an evening at the art center. Mm -hmm. And what great education! And then, as Ellen's pointing out, folks, be it art, pottery, you name it, so many different classes that can do. Ellen's children, Whitney and Andrew, totally grew up in this environment, which is also another part of another podcast. She can talk about that. But the reality for us as citizens of Athens, Tennessee, and McMahon County is seeing these folks come in packed inside, enjoying whether it's drama, musicals from local performers, or these others coming in from out of town, the professionals, but I'm going to say this because, by definition, we have so many professional entertainers in our area, including Ellen Kimball. They folks can match up with anyone who has been on that stage. I can sit here and say that because, in watching them perform, their dedication, their professionalism is just awesome. And I don't know anywhere that you can go and buy a ticket. For now, we had to go up like everybody else, 20 bucks and see these marvelous productions. It's just so exciting, and I know it excited you during your career and still excites you. So share with us now, we're going to segue in as you got toward the end of your time there. New, like all of us, you look in the mirror one morning and say it's time to retire and do something else. You didn't stay retired you decided you were going to do some other stuff and that's brought you thank goodness over here to Tennessee Wesleyan I will always call it Tennessee Westland college okay. so they, they fussed at me and <laughs> now that I'm a part-time volunteer employee over here mm-hmm. I still call it Tennessee Westland. Mm-hmm. so share with the folks how you segued into what you're doing now and tell them what you're doing yeah. these days
1: Oh, yeah, I'm so fortunate to have what I'm ca- I call my retirement gig because I get to do the thing that I really most enjoy, one of the things that I enjoy most and that is play the piano. Uh, I think I I think if I remember correctly, I, as I was winding down at the art center, I was thinking, what am I going to do? I'm only 62 years old and I'm mm-hmm. in good I'm still in pretty good shape. What can I do? And I thought, what can I do? And then I thought about calling the, uh, Dr. Wheeler in the music department and offering my services as an accompanist. And he said, oh, okay. I said, it's hard to find people to play the piano in the daytime, <laughs> and I'm sure. He was glad to have some help along those lines and hired me. And I've been here since then. It's been about 10 years. I've been accompanying voice students during their lessons, their voice lessons, and I also am able to coach them a second time. So I see each of the students that I work with twice a week, and I get to be with them on their journey towards vocal excellence and help them. It's, it's wonderful. I feel appreciated and needed in that way because it's nice to have somebody to play your music for you and, so that you can rehearse. And uh, then I also play for their recitals, which is a huge challenge for me. I'm, uh, I'm what I call, I used to have a word for it, I didn't graduate in music. So my experience in playing the piano has been musicals and that sort of thing. So I've learned, been able to learn a whole new set of types of music, art songs and great vocal music of the opera of the great masters. And it's been a great challenge for me to do these things, and so that's such a gift to someone I think in retirement to have a, a, a challenge. And it's great to be part of Tennessee Wesleyan on staff. And I, also, I don't have to—I don't give them a grade. I just show up and help, and, and that's a—that's just a perfect gig for me.
0: And we're going to step backwards just a little bit in time. The enjoyment that so many people in the community had. When you, Mom, Sis, I think Pam Thig, Ben, yeah. you all used to perform. Yeah. And, and A little so, company. Oh, my goodness. It was awesome. <laughs> folks. We were good, weren't we, Shelly? Oh, you were excellent. You were <laughs> really good. You got standing O's. But Ellen's mom, Mary Ellen, just could knock the socks off of any pen. Mm. And I don't care what the music was, and I think Ellen, you'll agree, she could do ragtime, she could do gospel, she could do anything. Yeah. And you hum a
1: few bars and she could do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was not
0: like you just say, can you play such? Well, of course I can. <laughs> but when you all would sing, and it reminded us, of course, of what the old Andrews sisters, not that you were in that group, but you all sounded so good as you sang with Mom mm-hmm. playing. And, and She
1: arranged all our songs. She... Oh, okay. I thought she did that, yeah. but that's just perfect. And
0: then Brother wound up in a musical... Career as well.
1: He is. He's a very fine musician. My brother George. He Mm -hmm. lives in Boone. He's a. He's been a career musician all his life. He's an arranger and a player and conductor and of many of various groups at various times. He's retired at this. I was wondering. But he still arranges music. Wow.
0: But I think share with the folks, and this now we're going to segue just a little bit. Something in my area in the medical field music therapy that's not been around forever by any means but share with the folks kind of your opinion as you do this and you look at music therapy in young people older folks your opinion of is this a very real thing i've had people say no not really they're just listening to music but I look at it a little bit differently. How about you?
1: Are you talking about the academic curriculum of music therapy? It's well, a, a, Yeah, that is a very rigorous pursuit yeah. and uh, something I wish I'd looked into when I was younger because I think it would have been a good fit for me. I, I don't know a whole lot about it. I do have a family member who's a music therapist by training, or and, but... It's, it does, it crosses into the line into medicine. So there's more to it than just taking your guitar over to the hospital and singing a song. There's, it's a very, it's a very rigorous pursuit. I think it's amazing. I'm sure it's very powerful in helping people who are ill or certainly elderly people. And I do think that some of the kinds of things that I've done and other people do go to the go to a nursing home and play the piano and lead singing and all that sort of thing. It's a form of, certainly a form of music therapy. Mm. But music therapy is a very as I say rigorous academic pursuit.
0: And I could see young people hopefully pursuing that and folks I'm a member of a small group at our church, St. Paul's Episcopal. Mm-hmm. We have labeled ourselves Harmony and Hugs. We sing it to facilities in town on a regular basis and the joy that we get from seeing so many of the elderly residents singing right back to Mm -hmm. us. They know the words and they enjoy it, tapping their feet. It's just exciting because it gives them a little peace, one hour every so many Mm -hmm. days that Mm -hmm. they can enjoy. And like you're talking about individuals going. So you're absolutely right. It's not just taking the guitar there it's just
1: yeah. that whole I mean, yeah that that's yes yeah, that's a, certainly a form of music therapy and all of this really does speak to if, if my whole orientation towards the arts throughout my life has been that it's I feel like it's the stuff of life it's the most I don't know of anything that's really more important I think the pursuit of art in music and theater and every other way is life-changing life-supporting saves lives and so it's very it's been very easy for me to work in this field and to carry that message and to ask for money which by the way we're still doing as we've required the buildings next to the Herod building and the renovation of those buildings is now complete and over a million dollars has been raised in this community to get that done i have no problem saying to the community this is a good investment and it's in the lives of every person It's when one of the great joys you were asking about that uh, for me being at the art center, it's a focal point for people to fulfill their hopes and dreams for the experience of art. They can come in and say, "You know, what I really wish we could do," and then we can say, "Maybe we can do that." And uh, lives are changed. I could write a book about that. How lives are changed by the arts, right here in our town. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah. No,
0: seriously, because. Gaining these new buildings was exciting. Finishing them off, going to dedicate them next year. Just perfect. And for the folks in our area, we're performing Sound of Music in February. And we'll give a little more promo to that. But Ellen's going to be the musical director of that. But it does change lives. And so many of these young people you have watched, I have watched, who grow up. And they have said repeatedly, the arts center is my second home. Mm -hmm. And what a great thing to watch them grow up and become adults and. And enjoying the community involvement, you're absolutely right. And yeah. art is life. I'm sorry.
1: And I'm sorry. we have we went uh, back to the TWC con, you connection. We've had so many TWC students come through. Uh, we've had we've had yeah. Pete, we've had TWU students come here as freshmen with their parents and come over to visit at the art center. And I've had them say to me, "I came to Tennessee Wesleyan because there was an art yeah. center across the street," uh-huh. and. And we wouldn't been able to use them and feature them and give them opportunities. That's been very really gratifying.
0: Absolutely. And one of the finest art centers anywhere. And I can urge any of you listening in the regional area to go visit these places up and down East Tennessee. And we're just tickled that we have a premier place in Ellen's <coughs> role for all those years getting us there. Now, Ellen... Wrap it up by if somebody wants, say a young person that you're working with, they want to go into a musical career or your path with theater and stuff. What do you say to that young person to encourage them to do that? Or give them the good and the bad about some sort of career like that.
1: I one thing I'd really like to encourage anyone to do, and we know, we have a, actually a staff member at with, at the arts center right now who's pursuing a degree in arts administration. Arts administration would be is a, would could be a great career. Would be I would I don't know much about what the opportunities for it are out there. I created my opportunity here, but so needed, and I think. I have an interest in seeing, even at Tennessee Wesleyan, if could ever be done, community arts emphasis on college campuses. Most people who study music and theater in college are not going to Broadway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not going to be on The Voice <laughs> and win and go on to huge careers. That's just reality it doesn't mean they can't participate and excel and make and make music and make theater and all of those things and dance or whatever it is but community arts is this is where it's happening and where it should be happening and where so i would love to see an emphasis on college campuses in on a pro in programs like that for fine arts students so that they can learn how to work in the arts in a community and make that happen for a their community. I think that would be really outstanding. I'd love to see that at Tennessee Wesleyan.
0: That's an excellent point. I think that's something that needs to be looked into. I agree with yeah. you 100%.
1: Certainly, music students are going to be music teachers and that's wonderful and they're going to be and art students are going to be art teachers. But uh, I think community arts facilitation could be a degree.
0: I don't know why not. In the fine arts area, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We need to be looking at that. I don't
1: know if that answered your question. but No, it did. It's it's just been something I've been thinking about for years.
0: (laughs) But I think that can be presented to powers that be because what a great merger, if you will, of that community activity. Because they will. They'll go to their own communities, or hopefully many will stay here. Mm-hmm. And that will be a lifelong, fulfilling dream, if mm-hmm. you will, of so many people. Outstanding. I'm tickled to have had you. Definitely, you've lined yourself up for podcast number two <laughs> after the first of the year. We'll get to this, I promise.
1: Oh, uh, I doubt Th- it.
0: Thanks for being with me. And, yeah. And, uh, Thank you. Just,
1: it's been fun.
0: Just tickled to have you. And folks... As we say all the time, we hope you have a safe and healthy day, and I'll see you a little further up the road.